interesting. And okay, another episode. <laughs> well, no, you can't go hide. You're stuck here now. You're part of this now. Uh, worshipful brother Leroy Harrison, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. So as um, uh, I talked about in the previous episode of the podcast, which was released yesterday on um, May the 16th, I have been trying to contact all of the candidates for 2021 Grand Lodge. This is my second interview, um, but I have several more lined up and I'm going to be releasing them hopefully every day, at least every day this week. Um, any candidates that I was not able to contact, by all means, open invitation. I will leave my email address on the bottom of the screen. So just look down, you'll see it. And in the description to this video, uh, and I would love it if you got in touch with me and I would love to schedule some time to speak with you. And I always mention this at the start, especially in this case, uh, all opinions expressed are my own. I don't represent the Grand Lodge of Canada or the Windsor Masonic Temple. And, uh, you know, none of these inter interviews are meant necessarily as endorsements of a candidate. It's just a chance for a candidate to speak with me and hopefully with, you know, all the, the members in Ontario who are watching this. Uh, so once again, Worshipful Sir, thank you so much for being here. Uh, this is new to me. Uh, I think it's new to all of the candidates this year. Uh, uh, I think most of us are not used to talking about ourselves. And so this is kind of interesting. Uh, uh, you know, you don't really know what to say. And I, I never have liked I, 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 I did this or I did that. But this is basically what uh, it appears that we're coming down to. Um, I'm a member of uh, Maitland Lodge in Godrich, Ontario. I now live in Stratford, which is only 40, 45 miles away. So it's uh, no problem getting up. Uh, but I'm a past master there. Um, and uh, I'm the second senior uh, past master of Maintenance Lodge. Uh, I've been a uh, past master of the uh, Past Masters Wardens Association for South Huron District. And uh, for several years, I've been the South Huron uh, chairman for uh, district chairman for the Masonic Foundation of Ontario. Um, I've been very actively involved Masonically for a long time, um, longer than, uh, I'll put it this way, uh, I don't really, I really can't believe that it's going to be <clears throat> 50 years this September. Uh, I've had a lot of fun, and I've met a lot of great people across Ontario, across Canada. Uh, I've met people in the States, uh, met people in Europe. I've met Masons down in uh, Australia, uh, the Bahamas, uh, Mexico, and uh, I just can't believe uh, how fortunate I have been uh, in this fraternity. Uh, um, you know, you mentioned um, at the start, you know, you're not used to, to talking about yourself. 
which is new for many Masons, uh, you know, I'm not talking about myself, I'm the opposite, ask anybody, but Masons as a rule uh, are certainly kind of very humble people who, who do a lot for the craft and for the community, but often don't, uh, aren't, aren't ones to advertise it. Um, but certainly, you know, I've, I've had the chance to meet you on a couple of occasions, you know, you're, you're 50 years in the craft. You know, it's certainly you are somebody who is worth speaking to and worth talking about some of your accomplishments. Uh, I should have said that while I'm running for the office of Grand Register for, uh, for the Grand Lodge of Canada, the province of Ontario, but I've been very active in the York Rite. Uh, and I've served on, uh, you know, both at the uh, lodge, uh, at the local level, plus the district levels and printing all the, the bodies uh, on the York Rite side. And I've served on the uh, Ontario executives and also the, the Canadian executives. And, uh, you know, you just go ahead and do things. You know, I love visiting. Um, I've been secretary of various bodies for, or treasurer for more years than I want to want to think about. I'm getting out of one of the secretary's jobs at the end of this month. Uh, after 22 years, the secretary of the Stratford Avon Shrine Club and uh, so that will help ease them. I'm working into what I call retirement, finally. <laughs> so uh, you say that, but I'm told by many people that once they retire, they're busier than ever. So uh, yes. I don't know if you get the chance. It's what, very um, true. You know, for, I remember um, being a, a newer Mason and, you know, every year, April, May comes around and the Lodge starts to discuss Grand Lodge and elections. And even some, you know, older members may not necessarily know or understand kind of all of these terms and, and what it is. Uh, so I guess from yourself, first of all, you said you are running for the position of Grand Registrar. So if you want to talk a bit about First of all, what that position is, okay. and why it is that you are, um, why it is that you have your name for it. Uh, okay, the uh, uh, possibly several years ago, I might have run for district deputy uh, uh, for the South Huron district, uh, you know, with permission of the lodge. And I do have the permission of the past masters of my lodge to run for grand registrar. Uh, the grand registrar is similar to the district deputy, uh, but his responsibility is uh, uh, Heritage Lodge. And uh, they, if a district deputy, for whatever reasons, uh, dies or has to resign or becomes incapacitated for some reason, the Grand Registrar uh, can be appointed by the Grand Master to represent that district just as what happened in uh, Windsor, uh, or sorry, uh, Essex County District this, uh, a year ago on a temporary basis. Uh, that's one of the responsibilities of the Grand Registrar. And why is it that um, you have decided to, to stand for this position? What do you hope to bring to it? Um, 
what is it about the position that that uh, you find appealing? Well, it was, uh, I have traveled the province uh, uh, basically since day one. Uh, it's like happened. Uh, there was a couple of members, well, several members of my lodge uh, traveled, and so I, as a new mason, I went along with them. And that just goes, uh, you, you meet this person, that person, and uh, uh, you, you, know, you develop friendships. And, uh, and I just uh, uh, enjoy traveling. And uh, 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 at times, uh, my job would say, okay, you've got to back off a little bit on the traveling, but then it, it would ease up. And uh, uh, like in, in uh, March and April, I had, for up until this year, uh, I didn't go too far because, of, uh, of course, that's the, uh, the height of tax season. And so, uh, you know, uh, uh, you've got to get your own done, but it also uh, you have your clients that you have to get done by April 30th. And uh, so, you know, in April or in March and April, I always backed off my traveling. But once uh, uh, April 30th is over, I was on the road again and would go heavy through, the, through into the fall. And then, you know, depending how the winter was, you might back off a little bit in, well, everything backs off a bit in December. And, uh, uh, you know, you get into January where you're, when you live in, in the snow belt, which I do, you're sometimes limited where you can go in the winter time. Uh, but you get out as much as possible. I cannot not speak highly enough of traveling and the importance of traveling, the importance to a Masonic career of traveling. Um, that is always my advice to a new applicant or to, to a new Mason, uh, is if you have the opportunity and the chance to visit and travel to another lodge, it's really important to take those opportunities because the oh. growth you experience in the craft and the friendships you make and the memories Really, it's it's the most important part of Freemasonry, in my opinion. Uh, I feel uh, the 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 business meeting and uh, the ritual work is important, but I kind of feel that the uh, uh, little bit of the meeting before you know the, before the meeting officially starts when you're visiting. Uh, you know, arriving and meeting and talking to people, but at the uh, social hour afterwards, I I think that is even more important because that's uh, when you get to know people uh, a lot better. Where do you see the future of <laughs> the craft at a at a district level? Uh, I just spoke with, and so yesterday's. Uh, the May 16th episode featured Brother, uh, Worship Brother Allison Gowling. Uh, and we talked about, and he talked about the effect of the pandemic on Freemasonry at the district level, the challenges of, of having candidates waiting, the possibility of attrition, of losing members due to attrition. Uh, so I guess as a Grand Registrar, as somebody who really is going to be, or as a candidate for a Grand Registrar, as somebody, a position that focuses on kind of 
the districts themselves. What concerns do you have about um, Freemason at the district level? Do you think that, I mean, how do you see us coming, coming back from these, these COVID and pandemic related challenges? Right up front, I'm going to say Zoom has been a great invention because uh, we've been able to get together, see people, and whatever organization you may belong to, I don't care what it is, whether it be the Rotary Club, Lions, your church, um, uh, your tiddlywink club. If, you know, I, I'm not being facetious, but I said, I, I want to hear any organization from here in is going to have Zoom or whatever it becomes is going to take part of. Uh, we're going to have difficulty. There's going to be some of the older members are going to be, even when we've got the second or third shot of your vaccine, they're going to be hesitant about coming out to, off, out to a meeting, you know, until maybe into, uh, into 22. It's we're going to have to talk to people, convince them to come back out. We're going to have to, the candidates that are in waiting, there's been some fantastic educational meetings uh, over Zoom by various lodges, various districts. And I know I've been able to get on, well, I've been on Zoom going on and off for over a year, call it a year now, because uh, 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 down in Toronto there, the Toronto East, they have had some excellent uh, Zoom meetings, educational meetings. They've got the editor credits on there. They've got the fellow credits. They've got candidate. The uh, work that's being done, it's just education. It's not doing any secret work. Uh, and I know I've pretty come away from every meeting with a little bit of extra knowledge that I didn't have. Uh, but, but we're going to have to work to get people back uh, to getting whether when we first go back, I don't expect there'll be any ritual work done for the first few meetings. Uh, so that's just my, I, I may be, I hope I'm surprised, I hope I'm surprised that we are able to do it, but to get back into things, uh, people are gonna have, the members of the, of the various bodies are gonna have to relearn their openings and closings. <laughs> uh, we're all a little bit lazy uh we've maybe haven't kept up our ritual work the way we should so we're going to have to relearn it or i should say uh it, it's like going to university college every now and then you uh have to uh do uh, uh an all-nighter to get things back up it, it's going to be interesting uh hopefully the can we can get the candidates in fairly quickly, hopefully by 2022. Uh, we're going to have to work on retention because there's some members who are going to, as I've mentioned, that are hesitant about coming back out. Uh, there's some that, well, came out occasionally. Well, uh, I don't know. Maybe I want to stay at home tonight. You know, the, uh, we get accustomed to doing things and, and uh, uh, you've got to get encourage people to come back. Now, when we can get visiting and traveling to uh, that will be uh, a godsend, so to say, because so many of us miss that. Uh, 
we miss the social hours of, of friends that we haven't seen for a while. And most uh, Masons that I know enjoy, uh, how shall we say, a slight repast, having a, and, and the banquets and uh, the dinners and uh, uh, even the fundraisers uh, for our charities, uh, the barbecues, uh, you name it. Uh, yes, the ladies' nights, the, the uh, uh, honoring our widows, uh, that type of thing. It's all. It's going to take a while, and those who are coming into office are going to have to be willing to get out, and when they're able to travel, to get out and travel, and uh, uh, hopefully convince some of our brethren that may ha be hesitant about coming to come on out and. Uh, uh, rejoin and uh, enjoy what they used to enjoy until the pandemic hit. So the district deputy position, and then by extension, to an extent, the grand registrar position, um, you know, it strikes me as a, as one of the more challenging Masonic roles. I liken it to you know, for several years, I worked, uh, I worked in a jail. Yes. And I was um, in like the programs department, they called it. So I had, you know, I, I reported to my, my boss was a, um, uh, called a deputy superintendent. Um, but the deputy superintendent had to implement the instructions and you know requirements from the ministry so you've got and i'm not an easy person to deal with ever so you've got me and people like me um down here and then you've got the the governing body up here and then you've got your deputy superintendent in the middle and she's trying to he or she is trying to implement you know stuff coming from above will also if i don't like this stuff coming from above you've got me complaining about it and you've got me trying to get my stuff up there and so you're kind of sandwiched between um and here you have responsibilities to two different kind of levels and i feel like the district deputy is is in the same position you know they have to both answer to and um you know implement directives from Grand Lodge while also listening to and being responsive to the lodges at the district level of the worshipful masters and the membership and trying to balance those two things always struck me as a, a difficult dance to try to pull off. It is, uh, uh, fortunately I have been in that position in, in, in the other bo uh, York Rite bodies. I have uh, represented the district level and uh, so you're the conduit between uh, the members of your district. You know, you listen to them for their views. You're uh, you're to pass that on to the up the upper level. You know, at the grand executive meetings, or, or you know, you privately also. Uh, but also, you're as you're on the grand executive. Uh, or in, in the case of uh, the Grand Lodge, the, the Board of General Purpose, you, uh, you're an elected, you do have a say and a vote. So uh, you're, you're also there to bring the uh, views of the district 
uh, uh, to the board, but you're also there to bring the decisions of the board um, to the local district. And there is information to pass on. Uh, now, uh, nowadays with uh, uh, email and that, it's uh, so much easier to disseminate the information to the ordinary member uh, because so much of it's available on the Grand Lodge website, you know, once the decisions are made. Uh, but years ago, you were more the conduit. Where now, as I say with email, uh, you can send it out to every member of your lodge who has an email address. And yes, there are still quite a few members who do not have an email address, and for several reasons, uh, and especially as they get older. It's the older members, most, uh, more of them don't have it. Now, some of them have given up their computers just because uh, of age or they're hesitant. Uh, and that is because there's so many scammers out there. And so people are, some of the older members are especially, they don't have the technology that you're young enough where I won't say you grew up with it, but you basically came into it at a young age. Me, the other, I'm the other way around. Uh, I never was a techie. Uh, and so I'm very hesitant about what I do on a computer. But I, you know, I, 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 I find my way around it. I'll put it that way. And I'm not afraid to ask questions. If there is a, I didn't want to use the term silver lining, but if, if there is a, a benefit to the to Freemasonry um, over the last year and a half now, almost two years, would you say it's been, you know, the increased comfort that many Masons have, have developed with the online world, with using Zoom and um, using that to connect not only within their districts, but to connect to meetings that they otherwise would not have been able to get to and meet brothers, you know, uh, you can be on a Zoom meeting in California, yep. then New York, then England. You know, you can travel around the world from without even wearing pants in some cases. Yep. <laughs> yes, don't ask anybody to stand up. That's on Zoom. <laughs> but I'm one of the ones. I'm not afraid to put my hand up. Uh, I have, uh, you, you uh, as you know, in most of the Zoom meetings, there's a bit of visitation beforehand and a visitation after. And uh, when we get to the visitation part, uh, you know, if we have any problems, we, a lot of times we ask, and you can see even the people trying to get on Zoom, well, they're having problems. Well, I can't, uh, uh, I can't get my picture to come up. Uh, well, are you working on a, a desktop or a tablet? Uh, you know, just questions like that. You know, it's, it's a certain spot, uh, place. It, it might be in the right-hand corner. It might be in the left, left-hand corner. Um, you know, things like that. Uh, I have noticed that, as I, I know the older people, uh, once they get over their embarrassment about having to ask questions, they usually get are right there ask, well, how do I do this? How do I do that? Uh, I know at the office, I used to tell some of my clients, I said, I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm not a techie. But I said, have you got an eight-year-old uh, uh, grandson or granddaughter or a great-grandson and granddaughter? Ask them, they'll know how to do it. Because I know that's what I used to ask my, uh, my niece and that uh, when I'd go down and visit. Uh, I, if I had a problem, I said, hey, Courtney, can you tell me uh, how, how I do this and how would I do that? And she'd just go there and that, that would be it. 
To what extent do you think the virtual aspect of Freemasonry will remain even once we've returned to in-person meetings? Do you think that in the realm of, for example, to what extent will, will Masonic education and to what extent will certain events remain in the virtual world, even when we have in-person meetings? To what extent will you see hybrid meetings where you have groups meeting in person, but you also have, say, a laptop set up so brethren can watch via Zoom if they can't be there? Do you think that, uh, yeah, I guess, to what extent will this remain? Will it go away? Will it get stronger over time, even once COVID is finished? Well, I, I um, pretty well once a week anymore, I'm on Freemasons uh, Without Borders, not out of, out of England. And they've had some excellent speakers uh, every week. Uh, I don't get on every week, but, uh, but I can always go to the YouTube channel and pick up uh, what, I, what I missed. Uh, I've been on virtual meetings from Vancouver, Calgary, Lethbridge, uh, Regina, Winnipeg, uh, Northern Ontario, Thunder Bay, uh, you know, uh, up through the north, over to Ottawa, down to the Maritimes. Uh, I've also, you know, I've been into some of the U.S. ones. Uh, it's interesting. I've learned a lot. And personally, I think, I stated earlier that I thought that Zoom or whatever it may be in the future, uh, is going to be part of every organization. And uh, as long as there's no, none of the secret work done, uh, there, there's so many books out there, there's very little secret anymore. Uh, but you can have a speaker from any, any I've, I've listened to speakers out of Singapore uh, and excellent speakers. And uh, uh, I, I think it's going to be part of Masonic education. I see no rhyme or reason why uh, Ritual work, no, it won't be done by Zoom. Uh, but when you get to Masonic education, I can see uh, that happening, uh, Masonic education by Zoom. Um, I know some of the lodges that have gone with the Zoom meeting, you know, past masters or members who have maybe live in Mexico or have, have retired to the States or out west or up north, they're on every meeting now of the, of the lodge Zoom uh, and uh, they're reconnected to their lodge, and people that didn't know the other than a name on a on a notice are now know know them by face. And uh, and uh, this is one thing that Zoom has done is re reconnected us with people we know, but also we're seeing faces of people we have heard about, and especially those who are secretaries are now putting faces to people who uh, they have email addresses for. And that's important. That, that's really nice. And there's been a lot of new friendships uh, developed uh, because of Zoom. What about, or, or when we, we speak about the, the, virtual, the virtual component, you know, the, the one thing that uh, I think is very important uh, and this even connects to, to candidacies, you know, Grand Lodge is organized uh, and they've done a really great job with the, the meet the candidates nights. Um, and I certainly commend them for the work, 
But the challenge of a, a meet the candidates night, especially when you have, you know, so many candidates is the length of time each one gets to speak will be, you know, by, by necessity will be relatively short. You know, the, the virtual space and the podcasting space in particular, you know, having the chance for a candidate to speak for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, for however long the conversation goes, or even any educational topic, to have one topic, one person engage in a long-form conversation. I guess, what do, you, what do you think about that and how important do you think that could be for any topic or for any candidate? Well, normally at Grand Lodge, when we uh, meet at the Royal York on the Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday uh, afternoon, evening, I just forget now. Uh, there was Tuesday, always, the, I think. Yeah, there was always the, the candidates. So you get a chance to, uh, you know, to talk to a person. And that's... Uh, and you, you, you uh, see old friends and you get introduced to other people that, that you may not know. Um, as I say, this is a different type of thing. It reminds me of uh, when I was young and foolish and I ran for municipal council up home and uh, the local cable company uh, wanted to hold a, you know, a candidate's evening where you come on and teach. Well, it was brand new to everybody because it had never been done before, so to say. And some candidates went and some didn't. Uh, uh, I went on and did it. I said, what the heck, this is uh, new. Uh, you're getting to people that can't get out of the house. So, you know, some of them could get out of the house. And that's one thing the cable company was good about. Uh, we got the church service. We got the church service by Zoom now, where it was by cable before and still is by cable. Uh, but it's, it's all these new things. Um, that are out there and uh, you have to use all the, t the tools. And, and, I, and I, I'm new to Facebook. Uh, and as I say, it's uh, uh, call it last December, so <laughs> only <laughs> a little over, call it five months, but it's to keep in contact with my, uh, my godchildren, my nephews and my nieces, my grandies. And I'm getting reconnected with cousins uh, because of the pandemic, you know, the ones that I haven't seen. Uh, and, and now, of course, I'm seeing their grandchildren, their, their great-grandchildren. And, and uh, uh, so that's kind of nice. But I say, yeah, uh, some of us old fogies, and I, and I use that lovingly because I'm one of the old fogies. Uh, you've got to keep up with, try to keep up with the time. And uh, don't be, don't be afraid. Uh, you know, you might be hesitant, but don't be afraid to ask questions and, and get up. But no, Zoom is going to be part of whatever from here on in. And I think it's going to be an excellent tool for, for candidates for any position in any organization, not just strictly Mason, but uh, in any organization. So speaking of, well, Going back to the district level, this is something I've discussed on a, a few different occasions. Um, the, the concerns that some districts have, not so much this year or last year, um, because there was no uh, annual communication, 
But more in general, we live in a very, very big province, a somewhat inhospitable, well, not inhospitable, inhospitable to travel in some cases. Um, having the communication always held in Toronto and the inability or the difficulty and the expense of getting brothers from Northern Ontario, Kenora, um, to Grand Lodge. You know, I've talked about this with a few different brothers and certainly a candidate for Grand Register. You know, do you think it's, it's appropriate to consider moving Grand Lodge to different locations every year? Um, or how do we, if not that, then how do we make sure that uh, Northern Brethren and, and Brethren from smaller towns and further away areas are able to participate in a Grand Lodge? At the present time, because uh, the Board of General Purpose meets and they have the workshops, they, uh, it, you, there's not too many places that are able to hold two to 3,000 people. That is the one problem. Now, if, say, the board uh, is able to have its executive meetings by Zoom prior to Grand Lodge, that will eliminate a day or so. Now, some of the uh, uh, other Masonic bodies are holding their executive meetings by Zoom, and I know Grand Lodge is holding their uh, board general purpose and management committee by Zoom or go to meeting or, but anyways, uh, I can see a lot of the workshops possibly being done by Zoom. I can see meet the candidates being done by Zoom. You know, you could see a radically shorten uh, a Grand Lodge by a couple of days because if you're on, if you're an elected member, you have to be basically there Sunday night to show up Monday morning. Grand Lodge doesn't start till Wednesday. So you've got the two days there that you have to be there. Uh, and a lot of people start arriving on the Tuesday. Uh, so they're there for, I, I, but it, there's things that can be done because of modern technology. Uh, you know, as I say, uh, it, it's going to take a decision. And once uh, the one drawback to eliminating uh, the board and the all these other workshops and meet the candidate at Grand Lodge will be conceivably the number of people going to Grand Lodge may decrease. And that's a possibility. It has happened in some of the other bodies. However, they found that uh, with the voting this year and some of them, the uh, voting is pretty near double to what it was uh, to an actual, uh, and I expect this is gonna happen this year, there'll be more votes cast at Grand Lodge than ever has been done before. It, it, it's a, there's two sides of uh, shortening it. Uh, I, I, personally, I would love to see it move around, uh, but I do understand because having served on the executive, both uh, two executives for Ontario and two for Canada, and hosting an international convention in London, Ontario, a few years ago, I do understand the restraints. Uh, and and uh, uh, you need hotel rooms, you need uh, 
the seating capacity for the, the actual sessions. And it's not every hotel or uh, convention center has that capacity. The capacity issue, so that is, you know, it is a, a it is a very unique, unique event. And I think a lot of non-Masons, when they think, when they hear about Grand Lodge and you first explain it, they imagine it's just like every other convention, but it really is kind of a beast unto itself. And so there are some very unique and specific requirements that a Grand Lodge have has that your average convention uh, doesn't. Although at the same time, you know, I've, I'm a, a nerd. I'm not ashamed to admit it. So I've I've been to a few of those uh, Comic Con type events or horror con, you know, like those <laughs> those types of events. And you you do they do some? Not all of them are in in larger towns. Some of them are in smaller towns, and you do see the creativity that goes into it because you will have um, you know hundreds to if not thousands of people in attendance and um, you know, the, the creativity that goes into making it work in, in a smaller space. And also, I think that there's an incentive for a lot of these smaller towns and smaller venues to make it work because of the economics of it. Um, the, the revenues that would go into hosting a Grand Lodge in, say, uh, let's say Kincardine, right? which is a smaller town, has a great lodge there. I've been there, great lodge in King Garden. But it does have, you know, on that strip, those, I think it's three hotels. No, um, but they don't have 800 rooms. No, they don't. That's true. And but that's, I just, do, and that's just at the Royal York. That's not counting at the other hotels. That's not counting the Airbnbs that are in Toronto that, that Mason stay at. That's true. That's very true. But I do suspect there could be ways to, to just as my opinion, I don't speak for Grand Lodge, obviously, to, no, I don't either, <laughs> to move it around a little bit. And, um, you know, from a, even from a, a, a jurisdictional level, from a district level, um, if, you know, a significant number of Masons all show up to a town, that gives the district a chance to show off, not just during the Grand Lodge, but afterwards, because once everybody leaves, the district Masons can still say, we brought, you know, 500, 1,000, whatever it is, Masons to your town. They all ate at your restaurants. They all, you know, our, our lodge was responsible for helping the town's economy, especially during COVID or after COVID when towns are recovering. You know that economic impact would be would be significant and important. It's it's always good when Freemasons can assist a local economy. Uh, I I've had the fortunate to be a coordinator for the shrine ceremonial in Godric and Clinton, and uh, that's going back a lot of years. And, uh, and I was uh, in, involved with the one here in Stratford just a, a couple of years ago. And I, I agree, uh, going up to Kincard, because I was there for the Shrine Ceremonial in Kincard a couple of, about three years ago, and, 
And yes, it was very, ex it was excellent. But uh, I, 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 Windsor might be able to host it. Ottawa may be able to host Grand Lodge. Toronto, definitely. Possibly down in the Hamilton area. Even I, uh, Sudbury might be able, if you uh, uh, were to uh, uh, also use the uh, uh, the residences at the university. Because I do know that a, several, well, quite a few years ago, uh, Sovereign Great Priory and Greater Pure Conclave of Canada ha, uh, were in, uh, in um, Sudbury and they did use the, the university residences uh, to, uh, to, uh, along with the hotel rooms. And, and yeah, that goes to, you know, I, I even wonder, and this is just me talking off the top of my head, um, you know, for the, the Olympics, for example, what you see every four years is different countries will, will put together committees and then uh, lobby the uh, Olympic committee to, you know, come to Canada, come to, come to our country. We have all of these amazing things. Um, you know, even, even that would give districts a chance if they felt that, you know, our district has something to offer it gives them a chance to show off their district to to grand lodge so if they say we want you know we would like to have uh, a grand lodge held in sudbury this year you know it gives sudbury masons a chance to put together a video package or something where they can say look at these wonderful things in sudbury it'd be wonderful to host the most worshipful brother he could most of all, Grandmaster, he could check out this awesome museum and check out this awesome place and stay at this hotel. You know, it, it would give cities a chance to, it would give Freemasons a chance to promote and advocate, you know, how wonderful their city and how beautiful their cities are to Grand Lodge. It'd be an interesting thing. It, it would be interesting, but, as, uh, but you come back to uh, at the current time, uh, uh, we reserve 800 rooms at the Royal York, and that's not counting at uh, the other hotels in the area, in the area of Toronto. So, you know, a lot of municipalities do not have 800 rooms or 800 rooms plus. I'm not too sure what Windsor has. I'm, I've kind of forgot. I did know at one time, but I've kind of forgotten how many rooms they have. You'd be close. I'm trying to think all the different hotels we have. Um... Yeah, you've got uh, Caesars and uh, we have Caesars, which would be, I would suspect, if Grand Lodge were to be held in Windsor, um, Caesars would be the main venue because it certainly has, you know, a significant uh, number of conference rooms, and it's 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 been host to many. Uh, yeah, it has. I've been there for conventions, and, and also uh, you could. I'm just thinking. You know, along the riverside, you've got the St. Clair Center for the Arts, which has the main yeah. ballroom, which would probably be the place yeah, for the main. Been, been there. <laughs> it's, but even, you know, and, and I, love, I love Windsor, and so let me let this be my pitch to Grand Lodge. Think about Grand Lodge and Windsor. We're an amazing city, but there are, there are so many places that have. Um, it, it, it also maybe. implement the residences at the universities and the colleges. Yeah, that could work too. Um, 
you mentioned uh, Sudbury has the residences, Hamilton, um, Thunder Bay. I don't know how big their university is. Uh, I've been to Thunder Bay. Um, well, it's a lot of years ago, and I presume there's been more hotels have been built. You know, this just, hotel... Go ahead. Uh, but just how many rooms, you know, th these are things that you've got to look at, number of rooms available and, and how far it is uh, from one facility to where, you know, your main facility is going to be. These are all things to be looked at. It's, po some, it, it's possible, uh, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see just uh, how things kind of uh, work the, their way out through. Uh, I do, I do like this conversation though. This goes to um, one thing that I think all organizations need. Um, and I think that can be, you know, we, we the, the ability to, to think about and, and contemplate ideas uh, and how they might work without immediately going to the old, that's not how yeah. we did it. Uh, one of my favorite examples of it is, so I used to run programs, um, uh, programs and services when I, when I was at the jail. And I always remember during training, I really liked this one example that they gave. They said, so we always ask for opinions from the, we will say what, you know, we'll ask questions. What do you think of X? What can you do and why to, to the people taking part to the inmates, the clients? And the rule in training was always, you know, whatever they say, unless it's obviously they're just being, you know, but by and large, whatever they say, say yes to. And then the reason you do that is because or write it down, don't say yes, but just like acknowledge it because that will encourage people to, that will encourage people to brainstorm creative solutions. So the example they gave was, it was for an employment program. And the question was, what can you do to find, how can you, you find employment if say you, you're living in an economically depressed area or whatever it is, how can you find employment? And even if they say, something that seems silly, like I could go to Mars, you write that down because the next person may think, well, going to Mars is stupid, but going to London, Ontario is possible. You know, it's about, um, it's about thinking, you know, it's instead of when you, when somebody has an idea, and I think this can happen with newer Masons, if a newer Mason has an idea, even if it seems unconventional or a little crazy, it's always fun to go, all right, and think about how it can be implemented. Because in that thinking, you might find a way to implement an idea that seemed otherwise unlikely. Yeah. Um, the, a lot of these discussions happen in, how shall we say, hospitality rooms, uh, down in the, the bar area over lunch or over a drink. Uh, sitting in the lobby of a hotel. Uh, Grand Lodge is great for this because where else can you meet people from Windsor to Kenora uh, to Halliburton to Ottawa, uh, right down through to Cornwall, uh, all all the same place. And uh, you can meet uh, then you gradually meet the people from other jurisdictions that are there. 
and you and as you get to know them, you sit down. Well, what are you doing? And but it, uh, but a lot of these things are hatched out uh, in hospital rooms, or just sitting, as I say, sitting over breakfast, sitting over lunch, just talking about things, and you're making no decisions, but uh, uh, you know you're throwing ideas out, you're responding to, to other people's decisions. Um, I, I know, uh, oh, several years ago uh, when we held the international, it was a Masonic convention in London, Ontario. There was people from right across Canada, uh, the States, the Philippines, Australia, and uh, oh, there was a couple of people out of France were there. Uh, and we had great, and we put tours, we came up to, uh, to, uh, to Elmira, to the farmer's market. We had them to, you know, to uh, down into uh, Pelee Island to the wine, uh, for a wine tour, uh, you know, that type of thing. Uh, it can, there, it's a, you can be creative and do things. I agree, and that is that even goes back to the, what we talked about at the start, uh, what you talked about, the importance of traveling, because by traveling and visiting with other lodges, other brethren, you will get ideas that you can take back to your own lodge and apply to your own Masonic career. Yeah, uh, I've been in Illinois different times for their New York Rite sessions, and uh, you know they do. Uh, Grand Council, Grand Chapter, uh, Grand Commandery for the Knights Temple, you know, all in, uh, well, the executive meets on, the various executives meet Wednesday, Grand Council, Cryptic Masons meet on, on the Thursday, Grand Chapter, Royal Basins meet Friday, uh, the Grand Commandery of, of Knights Templar meet uh, on the Saturday, uh, they have a church service on Sunday, there's the various dinners, various breakfasts put on by various organizations of the Masonic dues. Uh, they conduct their business and their installations, and they can do it in a day. The, uh, uh, the key to that is having the reports all printed up ahead of time. You pick them up when you're registered. Uh, unless you have a question, you know, they're moved and seconded, and then, you know, that's it. Uh, you know, uh, if you have a question, okay, you raise your hand, you ask your question, you get your answer. But there's ways of shortening a meeting down and yet not eliminate anything of, of importance. Speaking of visiting and traveling, uh, I have had the pleasure of visiting Maitland Lodge on a couple of occasions. Yes, you have. And it was a terrific time, both visitations. I, I loved it. Um, I visited after the tornado, so I got to see the renovated lodge, but you know, I, I love Maitland Lodge. Talk, talk a bit about about Maitland Lodge, about how it's how the brothers are doing now, um, and yeah, and and it's a really interesting story too behind your lodge building and what it went through and how well it recovered. <laughs> uh, well, Maitland Lodge uh, got dispensation from the Grand Lodge of uh, United Grand Lodge of England back in uh, eighteen forty three. Now they celebrated their first 100 years. The dinner was in 1945. You're supposed to take it from your dispensation. Uh, but anyhow, uh, and I don't know whether that was because of the Second World War uh, that they held the dinner after uh, the 100th anniversary. After. Uh, I always say we're supposed to be 177 years old. You know, because last year we were supposed to celebrate our 175th, 
but I always said it was supposed to be 177 because you take it from your dispensation. But it's uh, the building is uh, was built in 1913. Uh, and uh, before the tornado, I hadn't been above the lodge room in, in a few years, but uh, I know the last time I was above the lodge room, the, the old electrical was the old spool and bobbin, <laughs> or that's what I always called it. Uh, but it's been completely updated. Uh, it cost about four, I think it was $4 million uh, to, uh, to, to restore the building. It's, uh, it's got all your modern wiring, your modern plumbing, your modern <laughs> furnace, uh, insulation, it's been all insulated. The, uh, the charter alone to be restored uh, to be dried out, stretched, and then put into uh, the proper shadow box and uh, with the, uh, I guess, the air or whatever they do with it. Uh, that cost four thousand. I think it was four thousand dollars, which I could, you know, uh, you kind of lose track of how these things cost. But but it's a beautiful building. Uh, I can remember years ago when I was senior warden, we wanted to put a, uh, an elevator in, and. Uh, it didn't get in, but a, a few years later we got it in, and, and it uh, actually ended up costing less than it was going to cost in back in when I was senior warden. Uh, but uh, uh, it's uh, for you; it, it's completely handicap accessible, uh, and, for, uh, and we've even uh, uh, there's a couple of spots in there we have uh, uh, cut out an area for a person in a wheelchair. Uh, can uh, can uh, back in, you know, with no problem. So they're not sitting out uh, right on the on the main floor. They're just sitting back in with uh, anybody else that's sitting on the sideline. We've had an officer who was in a wheelchair, and uh, so you know, it's it's nice to see these things handicap accessible. It's nice to have the elevator in, uh, and I know some of the ones that uh, voted against the elevator when I was senior warden. I had to. Ch uh, I had to, uh, years later, when they'd be complaining about going up, the, especially the third level of steps, uh, you just keep on trucking. You voted against the elevator, so just keep going up these stairs, but we got the elevator in. Uh, but, you know, the, the, my uh, uh, nudging of them was all done in good humor, uh, uh, and they knew it. And, uh, uh, and, Pam, I want to say something that I completely, you floored me over when you showed up in Grays Lake, Illinois, when uh, a few of us went over there to uh, uh, to install uh, the son of a good friend of mine and of yours as master of his lodge, and we did it by the Illinois ritual. That you just floored me when you showed up there because I, I found out after that you had had a meeting on the Friday night in Windsor, and then you went across the border and. Uh, I'm not too exactly sure of all the, whether bus, train, <laughs> uh, bus, yeah. I remember uh, that trip. It was fun. It was, I was happy to, to do it, but yeah, it was a, uh, it's not the first time or, or I'm sure it'll be the last. Uh, yeah, it, um, the 1 a.m. bus. So I got into Chicago at uh, 5.30 in the morning. Um, so yeah, so I, I had the, I had a meeting on the Friday. Uh, it was a degree. Um, so I had the meeting uh, changed in 
the Masonic Temple, got on the uh, bus, went over to Detroit, got on the, the Chicago, Detroit to Chicago Greyhound, got in at 530, uh, took the, then when I got there, I took the, the Milwaukee District North, the Amtrak line basically to Grays Lake, got changed at the washroom in the, uh, the Grays Lake stop, I think it was, or no, I got in, I got into Grays Lake at 7.30 in the morning. Um, so I just went around. I remember I got changed. I found like the local Grays Lake Museum or something. And I went in there and I changed in the museum. I remember, so I go in, I got like a, it was like a $2 ticket or something. So I got my yeah. ticket. I went to their washroom. Came um, out dressed in your tux. Just my tux came out. And then the lady at the, the front, was very confused. She said, if all you wanted to do was change into a tux, you could have just used our washroom. I remember that. It was it was worth it though. It was a lot yeah, of fun. I enjoyed it. it. Was. But you just floored me when you came up there. And I've got to say, I admire you for that. And I know that's not the only time you have shown up unexpectedly. Well, unexpectedly or unwanted. Those two <laughs> things are back and forth. But yeah, that really is something um i always i always tell brothers even if it's a, a late night and an early morning at work the next day or whatever it is if you can find the, the time and the way to travel you really need to travel because you are missing out on such a important part of the masonic journey by not doing it and you meet a lot of wonderful people so has there been any talk in Maitland Lodge or, or what kind of talk about plans for the future? I know everything is very on hold right now, but um, is everybody in Maitland Lodge, you know, looking forward to getting back together in person and do you have candidates waiting or kind of how are things looking for the future? Uh, it's like uh, Maitland is like a lot of the lodges. We're all, wanting to get back we don't know when we're going to go back when we're going to be allowed to go back there's a lot of has there there's a lot of people wanting to go back and yet there's a lot of hesitancy uh especially amongst uh, some of our older members um i if I, my memory serves me correctly uh we have some candidates candidates who've got their entered apprentice and so they haven't got their fellow craft or their master mason yet um and i'm I, and, I, and i said and i say that because uh, you know the last time uh i was up there was in february and i'm going to go up in march but if that's whenever uh, last year when everything got canceled so you know i'm trying to think back a year ago uh exactly you know where we are uh, but I think, if I remember correctly, uh, we've got uh, a person waiting to get their fellow craft and their master. Well, I uh, very much look forward to I, once we can get back to normal. Um, it's been a few years now, so I'm definitely overdue for a return to uh, Maven Lodge, and I'd love to visit it again. Uh 
and uh, I, I will be down in uh, in the uh, how shall we say the, the the grass cotton belt of Ontario because <laughs> I can remember so many people say oh they cut their grass 11 months of the year and I just say well that's your problem not mine <laughs> but uh, but I know once things kind of get back to normal, well, I, I can't wait to get back on the road and get out and see people that I haven't seen for a while. And uh, and I'm I'm one of the ones that wants to get reconnected with everybody. And so I'm looking forward to getting down into, you know, into Essex County, Chatham Camp. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, uh, because those are the ones that I'm also looking forward to getting uh, back into the Hamilton area, Toronto, North here and uh, into the Bruce because, you know, I'm up there and I've got a lot of friends, Masonic friends up there. Plus also uh, uh, I've got God kids up that way. So I've got to go visit and down in Eastern Ontario. I've got my brothers in Kingston and my, my uh, nephews in, uh, in Sterling and, and uh, you know, I want it. So every, anytime I'm down in Eastern Ontario, oh, we got to do a visit with them. So it gives me a, a double excuse to go Go, go arrange a Masonic visit at the same time. Absolutely, and we'd love to have you down here. And with that, uh, once again, check out the description to this video where uh, I've left Brother, Worship Brother Harrison's information and some information about the voting procedures. Uh, Worshipful Sir, I wish you all the best in your candidacy for Grand Registrar. Um, and, you know, thank you so much for being on the podcast, but also putting your name forward and running for this position because, um, you know, it's so important that brothers with, you know, whether you've been in Freemasonry for 50 years or whether you're brand new to Freemasonry, you know, there are things you can do um, to help the craft, to help your lodge. Uh, and you standing for office is just one of those things. So thank you so much. Thank you, Cam. And for everybody watching this, we'll be back. Like I said, uh, come back to this channel tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to be having as many interviews with candidates as I can. If I haven't managed to contact you, but you are a candidate and you're watching this, send me an email and we'll get you on the, the podcast as well. And with that, Worshipful Sir, thank you so much. <laughs>